This is the Art of Composing podcast with John Branningham, episode number four, The Pathway to Mastery, part one. Welcome to the Art of Composing podcast with me, John Brantingham, where you can learn to compose music. Welcome back to the Art of Composing podcast. I am excited to have you listening today. Today's episode is going to be about mastery, what it is, how we can attain it, and why we would want to attain it. But I'm not just going to talk about mastery as an obscure theory. Instead, I thought this would be a good opportunity to give you a little bit about my history and how I started composing, you know, how I got to where I am and how I see my journey unfolding. I don't consider myself a master of music composition, at least not yet, but I am working towards it. And I, I hope part of the reason my website, artofcomposing.com, resonates with people is because I'm approaching the subject of teaching music composition from the standpoint of kind of having to teach myself. Although uh, part of that doesn't necessarily jive with mastery, I still think everybody is responsible for learning a subject on their own, uh, even if they have a teacher. A teacher can show you the way, but the teacher doesn't actually uh, make you know and understand a subject. That only comes through hard work that you do. So without further ado, let's get on with the featured content. Mastery is a subject not often touched on or talked about in modern society. Now, if you think about it, most things in life are really designed to prevent you from mastering a subject. The biggest culprit for this, I believe, is not TV, although TV doesn't really help the situation. No, I believe it's school. School is designed from the beginning to be a place of conformity and regurgitation. You're pretty much forced through your most creative years and curious part of your life to listen to teachers talk about subjects you just don't really care about. And then after the day is done, you have to go home and study those same subjects and do your homework. This all leads to a lack of motivation on the part of children to care much about school. For me personally, this led to a habit of procrastinating. You see, procrastination really has nothing to do with you being lazy. I was, and still am, quite a hard worker. The thing is, I just never wanted to work on what I had to work on. Homework and dioramas and reports and papers or whatever it was. Now let me say first, though, that this has nothing to do with the teachers themselves. I had some great teachers growing up, and I have friends that are teachers now, and many of them care deeply about the kids they teach. But they are in a system that is designed to create factory workers, not mastery. So why am I talking about this? Well, I want to make it clear that mastery is attainable for anyone. That's right, anyone can be a master of their chosen field. Now obviously this podcast is about composing music, so that is what we're going to talk about today. But in reality, if someone has mastered it, so can you. So let's imagine that you are a student in high school. You've been going through the, the school system, diligently learning the 1,000 different subjects that they want you to learn, and you can't say that you really understand them all, although you're able to get good grades in your classes, and that's all that really matters, right? <clears throat> but you've got a passion, and that passion is music. You've probably been playing in the school band for a number of years and recently got into writing some music. This is kind of how it happened for me. I started playing trumpet in fourth grade um, after actually uh, listening to the theme from Jurassic Park, but uh, I was just playing in the band at school. When I was in sixth grade, however, my family moved to South Africa, and I ended up joining the KwaZulu-Natal Youth Wind Band. 
The wind band was really good and far beyond my playing level at the time, so I had to start private lessons with an Austrian trumpet teacher named Fritz Enichelmeyer. Now, Fritz was kind of an interesting guy. He was an older gentleman that rode a Harley-Davidson, played the trumpet and classical guitar, and in his spare time, he climbed mountains. Um, but Fritz really taught me how to read music. And this is when I started getting a grip on the grammar of music, which would play a very key role in learning to compose. Now, shortly after moving there, we moved into an apartment that had the had some old stuff in the garage. I happened to be looking through it one day, and I found a three-quarter size classical guitar. I got excited because my dad was a trained classical guitarist, so I knew he would teach me to play that as well. He reluctantly agreed, and so I started learning. And things went slow at first, but after a while I started getting the hang of it. Um, I remember one specific piece, which was air on a G-string that we had, and I just remember this little bass run kind of at the end of the first uh, you know, the end of the first theme that goes do 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 do. If you know the song, you'll probably recognize it. But I never ever thought that I would master that single phrase. It just was uh, above me for a while. But once I got it, I'm like, wow, that was really simple. Nonetheless, I started playing a lot. We were lucky enough to have a collection of books that had arrangements of famous classical music for the classical guitar. So I, I took my time going through each book. Sometimes I would just sit and sight-read the music, and other times I would really take my time to try to perfect the piece. Now, at the same time, I was still taking trumpet lessons, and the lessons were great, but I found that I wasn't really progressing very fast. You see, I never wanted to practice. It's not that I didn't like playing. I did. I just never wanted to sit down and practice from the giant tome by Arban. And if you're a brass player, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's this you know, 400-page book of nothing but kind of bland exercises. So instead of, instead of that, my free time went to reading through the guitar books. Now, also around the same time, there was a talent show at my high school. I went to a school called Durban High School, um, and if anybody from South Africa is listening and they know or went to that school, go ahead and drop me a line. For the talent show, I got a small group together, including my brother and other members from the uh, the wind band, and we decided to play a piece in the mood by Glenn Miller. Um, and this is a great tune and a fun piece to play, but at some point during the process of getting the song together, someone came up with the great idea of having a trumpet solo. So I said, sure, that sounds great. How do I do one of those? And that started my search for how to compose a trumpet solo. I went to my trumpet teacher first, who promptly referred me to a saxophone teacher who also taught in the area. So I went and I asked a sax teacher to create a solo, uh, or how to create a solo, but actually first I, I asked him if he would write one for me, uh, but he thought it would be better if I wrote it myself. And uh, looking back, I'm, I'm thankful that he did, and I can probably look back on that as kind of a gift. If he had never done that, I probably wouldn't have started composing. Now, his advice was pretty simple. Just look at the chord tones in each bar and then play up and down them. Um, and it sounded simple enough to me, so I went to work. And I, I can't remember if I actually had a lead sheet or if I just wrote notes down on the on the B-flat major chord. But either way, I ended up with a relatively decent solo. And everyone that I talked to said that it sounded like it fit, so I was pretty happy. Uh, if you're interested in hearing this performance, by the way, it will be posted in the show notes at artofcomposing.com slash episode four. 
So this was the first time I wrote down any music myself, and I thought it was fun, but I didn't really understand what was going on. Now once again, though, I got another push from fate when the piano player in the group gave me a floppy disk with a DOS program on it called IT Tracker. He showed me how to use it, and well, it was love at first sight. No, not with my friend, with IT Tracker. In what probably seemed like quite strange behavior to my parents, I would sit for hours on end writing out the guitar sheet music that I couldn't play very well into IT Tracker. I sequenced Beethoven and Mozart and Schubert and Tarega and Wagner and Brahms. I was even able to sample my guitar and trumpet and use those sounds in, in sequences, although they sounded pretty terrible because I had, a, I had a pretty bad microphone. At some point in the process, I started to write my own music. And I can't quite remember the day, but I do remember the piece. It's a short jazz trumpet piece called Bugs. So why is this important? Well, you see, I didn't know at the time, but I was learning to compose through osmosis. You only have to see the notes C, E, and G move to G, B, and D so many times before you start to figure out that it's something that all composers do. So I did it too. One of the benefits of IT Tracker was that you wrote out the note names. So instead of writing in musical notation, I would actually have to write the letter C or the letter C-sharp or F or whatever. And this helped me understand chords and how they relate to one another actually quite well. Day after day, I would sit at our computer, which was not connected to the Internet, by the way, and I would just write out pieces. I wanted to hear what they sounded like. I wanted to know what made them work. I very clearly remember the first musical discovery I made when I finally figured out what that dark-sounding ominous chord was, the diminished chord. It felt great every time I heard the chord in a, in a piece of music after that. I could say, oh yes, I know that chord, that is the diminished chord. I probably wouldn't say it like that, but that's kind of how I thought it. Now this progressed into me starting to transcribe music that I heard on CDs that I wanted to play. In fact, one of the first things I ever attempted transcribing was uh, the soundtrack to the Jurassic Park game on PlayStation, The Lost World, which was composed by Michael Giacchino and uh, was, I think, the first game to have a real recorded orchestra, although I may be wrong. So what does this all mean? Well, other than I think it was kind of an interesting story, there is a point to all this. There was a reason I procrastinated in school and I didn't practice trumpet. The reason is because those things were not aligned with my life's task. You see, the first step towards mastery is identifying your life's task. I didn't know it at the time. In fact, it was probably a good thing that I didn't, I didn't know it because it may have overwhelmed me and probably worse, it would have gotten in the way of my natural curiosity. No one told me to transcribe music or input it into IT Tracker. No one made me read through all of the classical guitar sheet music, and no one made me write Bugs or Hatman or Durr, which were the other two uh, songs, the first three songs that I wrote. It was a desire that came from deep down inside me. 
and that need to follow my life's task overshadowed everything else that I was supposed to do, like schoolwork or trumpet practice. Now that's great, but what if you're past your prime, so to speak? Well, I don't think the outlook is as bleak as you think it may be. Remember the 10,000-hour rule from the last podcast? Well, if you were to spend only two hours a day working on your life's task, then it would take you about 13 years to, to master it. Now, 13 years sounds like a lot to some people, especially kids. But when I look at the last 13 years, I shudder at how fast it's gone. 13 years ago, I was in my last year of high school getting ready to start college. Now, this makes me feel kind of old, and I still can't believe I have a four-year-old son. But that's only two hours a day. If you position yourself right, you can spend more time than that working toward your goal. At three hours a day, that drops to nine years, and four hours a day, it only drops to about 6.8 years. Although there are limits on how much deliberate, focused practice you can do in a day, there are still many activities that you can do that go towards mastering a subject. So if you're in your 50s or 60s, just imagine where you could be 10 years from now, and if you are a teenager, well, the sky's the limit for you. The important thing is identifying your life's task, whatever that may be. Now, Robert Greene in his book, Mastery, talks about five strategies for finding your life's task, which are return to your origins, occupy the perfect niche, avoid the false path, let go of the past, and find your way back. Now, in one way or another, I have gone through all of these strategies to get me back on the path towards mastering my life's task. So let's discuss these just a little bit. Returning to your origins is basically connecting with what interested you most as a child. Take some time and reflect. What did you spend your time doing? Did you love to go outside and observe nature? Did you spend your time solving puzzles or doing math games? Or like me, did you enter music into a tracking program and transcribe because you just wanted to know how music worked, especially the songs that you love listening to? As Robert Greene says in, in his book, in order to master a field, you must love the subject and feel a profound connection to it. What used to cause you wonder in life? I still remember listening to Mahler's first symphony, which was the second CD I ever bought, and I would listen to it over and over. And I was only about 13 years old, and I just wanted to write like that. So I tried, and I, I failed, really. But the important thing was that I tried, and I was absorbing the music, and I was, I was absorbing the way Mahler wrote. Take the time and think about this one. Next, occupying the perfect niche is all about working your way towards a life that will support and nurture your life's task. For me, part of this was starting artofcomposing.com to learn and teach music composition. Part of the benefit of this is the reflection time that I get thinking about the process of composition and how best to learn and teach it, as well as also reflecting on how I compose. But it also fits with my other interests of technology and design and web design and art and entrepreneurship in general. But I know things will change as I change, and as I prepare to go through the UCLA film scoring program next year, I'm keeping my eyes open for an assistantship with an established composer so that I can learn from them directly. And uh, I, I would like to be engrossed, really, in the film scoring industry. Now, I'll talk a little bit more about uh, getting a mentor um, in later parts of this series on mastery. So take some time to think about what your ideal niche is. How can you get into that niche? 
Do you want to write choral music? Well, why don't you look for a job at a church with a choir? Offer the church music for free. Be willing to help. Do you want to compose for big bands? We'll find out where the local big bands are playing and get in contact with whoever runs them. Chances are they would love to have some help with something. The key is aligning what you do with what you want to do. This takes time and patience, but you must work towards it and be flexible. Next, avoiding the false path is all about not being steered in the wrong direction. The greatest part about this is the story in the book is about Mozart, but I also saw some of my own story reflected in it. Not that I'm saying I'm as good as Mozart or anything, but Mozart very early on realized that he did not want to be a performer. Instead, he wanted to compose, and compose opera especially. In fact, in a letter to his father, he wrote, I am a composer. I neither can nor ought to bury the talent for composition with which God in his goodness has so richly endowed me. You see, Mozart was being pulled around Europe to perform for royalty. His incredible skill as a young boy enthralled everyone, but he knew that it was really a distraction from what he was meant to do, which was compose. In the same way, I always saw my, my other obligations, like schoolwork and practicing trumpet, as false paths. I was not meant to be a trumpet player. I was meant to be a composer. But as life happened, I was slowly driven away from it, especially as I went into college. By the time I graduated and went into the Army, I was quite fully on a false path, and it took me about six years to get back on the correct path. Now, six years at two hours a day, that's 4,380 hours, So that's almost half the way to 10,000 hours, which is a lot of lost ground. So stay off the false path. But if you are already on the false path, letting go of the past and finding your way back are the next strategies. You must be willing to make a cut with whatever progress you've made in the things that are not your life's task. For me, this meant leaving the Army and moving to California. For you, it could mean leaving your job or your school or even your country. Now, this takes courage and commitment. That little voice in your head that says you shouldn't do it, well, that's resistance, which I'll probably talk about in a future episode as well. You may may be well paid and have a high up position with a lot of respect, but who is it that really respects you? Do you respect you? Now, I'm not saying just leave your job and throw caution to the wind. Leaving the Army for me was a year-long process, and I made plans, and I had support from family members, and I saved up a lot of money. But don't let money be an excuse. Do you want to get to the end of your life and say that you earned a lot of money and you were miserable? Or do you want to use your time to fulfill your true destiny? Fulfilling that destiny starts today. As soon as you get a chance, grab a pad of paper and a pen or a computer, if that's what you write better on, and I want you to write out your childhood story just as I have told mine here. Let your mind run free and put yourself back in that time. What did you spend your time on? Where was it leading? Are you still going in that direction? Hopefully, like me, you get some clarity out of the process. Now, in the next episode, we'll take a step back a little and talk more about what mastery is, the three stages that all people must go through to achieve mastery, apprenticeship, creative, active, and finally mastery itself, and then we'll look in depth at apprenticeship and how you can take advantage of this stage. But for now, turn your attention inward and find your life's true calling. Now let's look at the takeaways. Mastery is really about a state you can achieve in which you have a power over reality 
that most people do not have. This power comes from fully absorbing all aspects of your life's task. Your life's task is the thing that you feel deep down that you are really called to do. To identify your life's task, you have five strategies. Returning to your origins is basically connecting with your true passions. Occupying the perfect niche is all about working your way towards a life that will support and nurture your life's task. Avoiding the false path is all about not being steered in the wrong direction. Letting go of the past is about looking at the direction your life has been taking and having the courage to say whether you've been on a false path, even if you've worked hard in a particular field. And finally, finding your way back is about being willing to make a cut with progress that you've made in order to get back on your true path towards mastery. Well, thanks again for listening to the Art of Composing podcast. I love getting emails and comments from everyone, especially five-star reviews on iTunes. It keeps me motivated. And when I'm motivated, I create more podcasts. And when I create more podcasts, you're happier. And when you're happier, you leave more five-star iTunes reviews. So leave more five-star iTunes reviews, and you'll be happier. Like how I did that? As usual, you can find the show notes for this podcast at artofcomposing.com slash episode four, no spaces or dashes. If you want to start on the path towards becoming a composer and you don't know exactly what to do, head on over to artofcomposing.com slash 101, that's 101, all numerals, and check out my introduction to composing page. And then be sure to sign up for the free beginner's composing course. It's a video course, and I know you love video. I mean, really, who doesn't? So until next time, compose like your life depends on it, because maybe someday it may. <laughs> <laughs>